This is Holly Bartell, former Disneyland Resort cast member, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 93 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we begin a three-part interview with former Walt Disney World cast member Jessica Clausen. Jessica had a very strong desire to be a cast member, and she took a pretty big risk to make it happen. While she worked there, she had some very interesting experiences, both working in the parks and at the resorts, and we get into all of that in today's episode. Once we finish this interview, in episode 95, the next ones will be devoted to the 2015 D23 Expo. Stay tuned to the Stories of the Magic Facebook page, though, for live reports, happenings, photos, videos, and more throughout the weekend of August 14th to the 16th. And if you'd like, follow me on Periscope at Belgarian42, that's B-E-L-G-A-R-I-O-N-4-2, since I'm going to try to do some of that over the weekend, too. And if you want, you can just go to the show notes, and I'll have direct links for those things in case you missed the spelling for Periscope, or you just want a direct link to that or the Stories of the Magic Facebook page. Now, in this episode, Jessica talks about how she got started at Walt Disney World and what she did there at first. What made Toy Story Midway Mania an interesting attraction to work, and some fun stories of what she heard from guests, and some maybe not quite so fun stories of some things that she saw and heard. The various positions at Toy Story and what goes into working each one. How she played with guests at times. A time she was able to make some magic for a guest. Working Toy Story Midway Mania when it was broken down on Christmas Day, including a little backstory on the attraction you may not have realized. When and why she transferred out of attractions. What she misses most about working at Walt Disney World. The questions that she got most from guests as a resort concierge pre- and post-Magic Bands. What the transition was like for her pre- to post-Magic Bands. And advantages to the Magic Bands and My Disney Experience system. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hey, hey, Skywalkers, this is Richard, and over here is my sweetie wife, Sarah. You can call me Jedi Tink. And we are Skywalking Through Neverland. Jimmy Mack here. When you wish upon a podcast, wish upon this podcast. These guys are awesome. (laughs) We are a fan-focused podcast that covers Star Wars, Disney, pop culture, and their fandom communities. The stuff that surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds us all together as instantaneous friends. What do you know? We showcase what people are doing in the world of fandom and talk to those who are involved firsthand in the universes that we love. This is Margaret Carey, Tinkerbell. This is Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett from Star this Wars. This is Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. Hey, it's James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I happen to be skywalking through Neverland right and now. I'm and skywalking I am through skywalking through Neverland. Through Neverland. I've always hated space travel. Yeah. 
Skywalking Through Neverland is the ultimate expression of fandom. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and our website, skywalkingthroughneverland.com. And remember, Neverland on Alderaan. <laughs> And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. It's always a pleasure to talk to cast members. They all have their own stories, and that's an important part of why this show exists. Today's guest is certainly no exception. Jessica Clausen began working at Walt Disney World in 2012 in attractions. After several months there, the rest of her time with Disney was spent in the resorts. She also taught two education programs in Hollywood studios, one in science and one in arts and movies. Even though she no longer works for the company, she still has a great love for it. This is going to be an interesting journey, so let's get started. Jessica, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So tell me about how you got started at Walt Disney World and what you did there at first. Well, I had moved from my house in Delaware. I graduated college as a teacher. And I taught for a year in Delaware, and it, long story short, didn't work out. And I always knew that I wanted to move to Florida, and I had been applying to Disney for about six months. But one of the big things about applying to Disney when you don't live in Florida is they're not really probably going to take you seriously. So I knew that I had to show a commitment. I want to work at Walt Disney World. I'm moving to Florida. So as soon as the school year was out, I moved down here, and... Within about three, it all happened very suddenly. I came down first weekend in May, had an interview during a, um, it was a job fair that they were having. And within two, three weeks, I got a phone call saying that I was going to be working in attractions. I had to come down, find an apartment within a weekend. And end of June, I moved down here to start my uh, start my training. Wow, that is a pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> it was very quick, especially <laughs> moving being a 23-year-old girl moving a thousand miles from your home by yourself. It was it was definitely just something that I just I felt like I had to do it and I just did it. <laughs> wow. What was it like being a like you say a 23-year-old kind of jumping into that all by yourself? Um definitely definitely nerve-wracking because I mean I my college was near my home. I've always been near my home and my family. So just the thought of oh, I'm going to be a the closest person I know is a thousand miles away. That was kind of a, a nerve wracking thought, but I knew it's something that I had to do for myself. And just, if I didn't do it then, I don't know when I would have. And it, mm -hmm. just, it just felt like one of those things when you know that there's something, you know, when it's right. And that was just something that I knew at the time I've got to do this. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you have a preferred department or uh, anything like that when you applied of what you really wanted to do? Being the education background, I love working with children. And so I was hoping to get into something related to um, the youth education series or working with youth activities, at the resorts, something along those lines. And when you go in for those interviews they have you pick three different areas that they will put your name in for that way if first come first serve if your name's on for that list they'll pick you for it the third one I picked was attractions because I knew attractions was an easy thing to get into and moving down here I kind of really needed a job 
So if those ones didn't work out, at least I had something to fall back on. Okay. So attractions, it, it wasn't that you didn't necessarily want to do it, but it was definitely not your first choice. Yes, for sure. Okay. Uh, and did you have an idea of if you were going to end up in attractions, if there was a certain one that you wanted or a certain one that you didn't want for that matter? Not particularly, actually. There was nothing that I wasn't, I was against. Um, okay. I would have preferred not to work on like Tower of Terror or something like that. I'm not a huge fan of that attraction in general. But other than that, no, I would have probably been happy to work anywhere. Okay. So you ended up then with just whatever they had available, and that was Toy Story Mania, right? Yes. I got a phone call. I was going to be working full-time at Toy Story Midway Mania and Hollywood Studios. That was an interesting place to work. (laughs) Do tell. (laughs) Well, when you're working in attractions, you are put, when you first start, you're put a lot in the evenings. And working in attractions, majority of people who work in the evenings work are part of the Disney College program. I was one of the very rare people who got full-time in attractions in Walt Disney World who had absolutely no college ex- col- Disney College program experience whatsoever. So it was interesting coming in in a different route than majority of the people. And I slowly, I like morning, so I, would, I slowly worked up to be able to open the attraction which opening Toy Story Midway Mania is quite an endeavor. I won't go into a lot of the details, but you have, there's a lot of checklists and a lot of things you have to do to make sure that, that ride's up and running and stays up and running all day. So your preference, as far as when you wanted to work, mornings were better, but there was a lot more to do, it sounds like, in the mornings. When it comes to bidding your times, you when you're in attractions, you actually have to bid for different times of the day that you want to work. And I bid mornings, but also a lot of other higher seniority people bid mornings because it does go by seniority. So I always got bumped when I first started to near the end of the day, which was unfortunate for me because I'm very much a morning person. Like 10 o'clock is my bedtime. And I was running an attraction to one, two in the morning. It was not so fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What about actually running the attraction? What What is that experience like? Uh, at first, it's very technical because I don't... I was, Have you been to the Toy Story Midway Mania in Florida? Yes. Yes. I, it's, I'm, I haven't been to California to see that one in a while. I'm assuming the ride tracks are very similar, though. You have a platform that has eight different consoles on it, and all of those consoles need to be in sync in order to send off the cars. So all eight people need to be paying attention and watching each other to know when to send those cars off. So you have, and those consoles, you have to learn all the buttons on those and figure where everything is. There's a button that you just, you're, if you hit it, you're in big trouble. So you got to like, make sure that you don't hit things you're not supposed to touch. (laughs) Right. Please tell me it's a big red button. It actually is a big red button. Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then you, but Besides that, you need to be watching all the people around you, all the guests, making sure there's no guests falling into the track. There's guests coming back. They're trying to talk to you while you're trying to pay attention and the safety of everyone around you. So that's very challenging um, when you're on the dock itself. But there's so many other positions. There's the greeters of the outside who have to answer all the different questions. I think one of my favorite questions at Toy Story was, is that wait really 90 minutes? Yes, it is. <laughs> And if it's only 90 minutes, get in line, yes. trust me. Or, or I loved the 
it was it would say 120 minutes. Oh, it's only one hour and 20 minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, but no. <laughs> yeah. And that's the same person that you have to try to get to be paying attention later on. Yes. So you can send off the cards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're answering all those questions out front. You're helping direct people. I think one of my absolute favorite questions I got asked one time, I just had to stare at the person for a minute. Someone actually walked up to me, no joke and asked me where I, they could get on the monorail in Hollywood Studios to go to downtown Disney. Wow, there's just so much wrong with that question. <laughs> that, that was what my problem. I'm sitting there like, I'm tr I, I can't be snarky because I'm in a cast member costume right now and I have to be nice and I have to be polite, but you have no idea what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> right. Was, Do you remember what you answered them? I had to explain to them that the... Monorail only ran between Epcot, Magic Kingdom, and three resorts in that area, and that there was no way to get to downtown Disney from Hollywood Studios, such they would have to go to a resort first and then transfer to another bus from there. They didn't like that. I'm sure. <laughs> what did you want to say? Oh, I wanted to tell them that you have no idea how much is wrong with what you just said, and do you see any monorail tracks? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have liked to say. <laughs> yeah, that probably would have been my go-to. Look around. Tell me if you see a monorail track anywhere. <laughs> Go explore the, the park and come back if you want to. Yeah, so that that was interesting. But that's one of the positions. And um, one of the other ones is at the merge, which is the area where the fast pass line and the standby line meet. And then before, right before you go up the stairs and right mm -hmm. after you get like, right where you get your glasses and everything. That was a pretty neat area to work, counting people out, unless the fast pass line was really, really long, which normally happens at Toy Story, or you are standing there and then the ride shuts down, and then you have to tell all those people that have been waiting for two hours that they have to turn around and walk out of the queue and come visit us later. They don't like that very much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I, I was fortunate that I was never swung at or spit upon but i did see that happen to others really oh yes people get very angry it's not fun <laughs> yeah when you had to do something like that and you know tell them that they had to come back later i know that you never had any like a, aggressive guests mm -hmm. but did you ever have any that just had to kind of be talked down a little bit before they would leave Yes, and luckily one of the we had some very supportive managers that as soon as they heard that the ride went down, they came and found that merge area and immediately were there to help support. And we were also always to tell them there are managers outside. They always stood at the front to answer questions to calm people down and everything. Good. So luck luckily we had pretty good support when in that respect. Because they knew mm -hmm. that Toy Story was a big deal, and when that went down, people were angry. Right. So, let's see. So there's uh, Operation at the Dock, Greeter, Merge. I assume Unload is a separate position, too? No. I, uh, load and Unload are both positions that are on that dock. You have four okay. loads and four unloads. Got it. Okay. But one of the things that Toy Story had that a lot of other attractions don't is the position glasses. Right. Okay. Yeah, because you got to get your 3D glasses. Mm -hmm. So you have the glasses at the front of the line, then you put them in that little 
trash bin, waste bin looking thing at the exit. And it's someone's job for 45 minutes to walk back and forth and hand sort all the glasses to be sent to the steam cleaner. Wow. Yes. Hand sort, like untangle and line them up and things like untangle, that? Untangle, check for any broken, make sure there's no gum stuck to any of them. Seen that before. And because <laughs> some people think that they're waste bins. They don't think that they're for glasses. They don't read on the outside that it says glasses only, and they just dump whatever they want in there. Right. So, yeah, so it was our job to collect the glasses, and for 45 minutes you'd walk from the back of the attraction past the merge area into this back door you'd sort the glasses and then you'd come back out and it became like a game you saw how many times you could like how full the bag would be and you try to like beat the people who were coming off and seeing how many you get at a time <laughs> but i enjoyed the position a lot of people were not a big fan of it <laughs> <laughs> i take it you enjoyed it because you turned it into that game yeah I also really enjoyed you'd have to walk past where the fast pass queue was and often at Toy Story the fast pass line is relatively long and there's this little cutout I'm a pretty short person but there was this little cutout that was just high enough for my head and so I'd peek my head over the top of it especially when Toy Story 3 came out I'd peek my head over the top of it and I'd yell and some of the kids would like look up at me and see me there and then I'd scream new toys really loud and freak all the parents out because they weren't paying attention. <laughs> I think about three different times I had mothers scream bloody murder. It was quite hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. It was a lot of fun. Like I'd sit there, there's a window where you could see the dock from that fast pass queue, and I'd like fist pump kids through the glass. <laughs> uh -huh. You could do that if you're working at the wave area as well, the um, wheelchair asset wheelchair access vehicles. They have a two people there usually and when if you're waiting for one of the cars to come back you can come over and play with people in the window oh fun okay that's kind of a way to break up the the job a little bit yeah uh, for the glasses i know you take them and then you'd have to take them i assume backstage and there's a separate department that's probably part of another department that did the cleaning of oh, them and brought them back out that wasn't even hollywood studios we actually had to sh uh, we would get two shipments of glasses a day the sh glasses actually get washed off I believe it's by, I believe it's by Epcot. I'm not a hundred percent sure though. Um, but that's where all the 3d glasses go and get washed. It's kind of like a drive through like car wash. They have that, but for the glasses on these trays and they get wow. them sanitized. Huh? I can picture that. Just like a car wash <laughs> kind of thing. All these glasses going through. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, if there was more people than expected for a day, you might run out of glasses. But there's a maximum capacity for the attraction, no matter how many people are there. So I guess they just planned for that capacity, and so you would you knew you would always going to have enough. Yeah. The and if we needed more, like if we were open later for a private party or something like that, which happens often in Hollywood Studios, actually, we would they would always send us a third shipment if necessary. Okay, so you could get a third shipment. It just took a little while for him to get there. Yeah, because, okay. I mean, we have... What was nice about our glasses, too, is our glasses were similar to the ones... I believe Captain EO had yellow glasses. Like we had yellow glasses, and Captain EO had yellow glasses. And so if we needed more, we could always get more. Okay, and I would imagine that Toy Story Mania was just a tiny bit more popular than Captain EO. A little bit. 
<laughs> so anything else interesting or fun or memorable about working Toy Story Mania? Toy Story Midway Mania. Um, the night parties were always fun. Or the races when they started up the... They did the Tower of Terror 10-miler. I actually ran it, but that part of that track actually runs past Toy Story. And so I got to scream at the toys and wave at everybody, and I got to hang out there afterwards. And when I was actually working at the parties there, that was pretty cool. The cheerleading parties were interesting, but we had one time a cast member. Cast members only was an anniversary party that they host at studios every year for 5, 10, 15, 20, so on year cast members. And that was really fun to see all the cast members dressed up and getting the recognition they deserve. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. huh. And I imagine that gave them a chance to ride that particular attraction without having to wait two or three hours. Yes. That's the one thing about the private parties. You could have, there was maybe a five minute wait, maybe. Wow. It's just, it's just constantly running. And we just, we'd be sending empty cars and we'd, hang out and wait for people to come through and they'd be like, we want to go again. All right, you can go again. Here we go. <laughs> Enjoy it now. You're never going to be able to do this again. That's right. Yeah. I have to say with that attraction, I have ridden twice in a row. My wife and I were there with my parents a few years ago at uh, DCA, okay. Disney California Adventure. And my mom was in a wheelchair. And so they had loaded us over on that side and run us through. And when we got back, they said, do you want to go again? I'm like, Sure. That's not as good of an idea as it sounds like it would be. Your arm really hurts afterwards? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I was maybe a third or half of the way through the second time, and I almost couldn't even pull that stupid little knob anymore. My arm was so tired. <laughs> yeah. That's one area over in the um, wheelchair access area that has – you're able to do that more often, especially early in the morning. You get sent that way just so the car gets a run through, and – if there's nobody in line, they'll just send them again if they can. Mm -hmm. One of those magical moments. Right. Did you get to uh, create any of those kind of magical moments besides working that particular position there? I know when you're operating an attraction, uh, especially if you're kind of at the load unload area that you're pretty restricted by the time that you got to get the cars out and checking for safety and everything like that. But were you able to do kind of anything special? I, I, tr I tried to whenever I could. Even at those load-unload areas, I would just make comments towards guests. Like, there's those hats that have Chip and Dale. Like, it looks like they're eating their head. And I just give them this terrified look and be like, "I, okay, I don't want to alarm you, but there's a chipmunk eating your head right now. And they would just <laughs> burst out laughing. Because they would look at me like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and so I do things like that. Um, but yeah, those positions, it's difficult to do things because it's considered a safety position. And when when you were in positions like strollers, which was parking strollers, I'd go out there with a whole roll of stickers. And I would like put a sticker on every stroller that I parked. And so the kids mm -hmm. came out and had strollers when we came back. There was one time in the summer where there was a group um, one of the Latin groups came to visit, and they had been standing outside of our attraction waiting for all of them to come through. And they, I had to tell them several times to leave this one stroller alone that had a balloon attached to it. 
and they kept like hitting the balloon. And at one point they actually broke it. And Ooh. I was very unhappy and had, I was able to get one of my managers to come out and actually write up um, a paper. Uh, they're called no strings. They write up that paper and we put it on the stroller and waited for the guest to come back out to tell them that some, something happened to your balloon. We're terribly sorry, but here, go get another one. Oh, nice. So, but yeah, other than that, if the attraction was down, I had to work Toy Story Mania broken down on Christmas Day. Oh, that just sounds like a that, recipe for disaster. Yeah, that people weren't too happy, but we had so much fun. We grabbed hula hoops, and we were making up games with kids with the hula hoops. And there was this three-year-old that must have stayed with me for 20 minutes playing jumping games through the hula hoops. <laughs> because that's one of the things. At Toy Story Midway Mania, a lot of people don't really know that backstory. We are toys as well. We are the little cardboard people that came with the Midway Mania set that Andy got. Mm -hmm. So we're toys just as much as Buzz and Woody and all of them are toys. And so we like to play games and we make games up all the time. <laughs> that's, that's a great opportunity to be able to do that and keep it within the story. Oh, yes. That, that was our biggest thing. Um, on Christmas Day, the reason that and I'll tell you the real reason Toy Story Mania was broken down on Christmas Day. It's because we thought Andy was going to be away for Christmas at his grandparents, but he ended up coming home and opening presents that morning. So he spent a really long time opening his presents, which is why Toy Story Mania was down for so long. Right, because you can't be playing while he's sitting right there opening exactly. presents. Exactly. So that's why we had to be down for so long. But then they ended up going to the grandparents afterwards, and we were able to open up. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance when you were interacting with guests when it wasn't broken down, but just in the course of what you were doing in the different positions to really play with that story very much? Or did it kind of come up just mainly when it was broken down or unavailable? Let's put it that way. Um, no, we we would play it up as much as possible. Um, a lot of people didn't realize that we were supposed to be like cardboard or whatever, but we would we played up the toy aspect as much as possible. Like when we let people in the cars, welcome toys, have a seat, pull down your lap bar, welcome back toys, throw your glasses in the bin. We always, in our verbiage, we would always ref keep the storyline going. Mm-hmm. And that's why you would peek over sometimes and yell new toys because exactly. everybody in line there was a new toy. Exactly. Very cool. I like that. I think I'm gonna have to play with that a little bit. Next time I'm in line or on the attraction, <laughs> and just as a guest, I have a feeling that that could be fun. Um, so how long were you at uh, Toy Story Midway Mania? I was there for about seven months. Oh, okay. And after um, the rule it, with transferring is that you transfer within, after six months, you can transfer from an attraction. And mm -hmm. I, I like my attraction. I didn't want to go to another one, but I wanted to try and expand my horizons at Disney. I was hoping to be able to move up within the company and I really wanted to do things. My ultimate goal was to do things related to special needs and working in the parks. Cause that's outside of my Disney passion. Working with special needs is my, another big passion of mine. Good. So did you actually skipping ahead in the story a little bit? Did you ever get a chance to do that while you were there? Unfortunately not. Oh. <laughs> they, I, I talked to several people 
that allowed me to try to do that, but it never came into fruition. Okay. Okay. So when you did transfer from Toy Story Midway Mania, where did you go to? I had done an interview for becoming a concierge at a Disney Resort, and they had just recently changed the rules. Initially, you were able to put yourself on a wait list for a certain resort. It didn't matter to me which resort I went to. I just wanted to be able to be a concierge and help people plan their vacations. So mm -hmm. I put in for any resort, and within about five, six weeks of my interview, I had gotten a transfer to Disney's All-Star Resorts as a concierge. Oh, okay. Nice. So would, was that position kind of through all three of them, or were you assigned to one specific all-star resort? On your initial paperwork, you are given one resort as your initial resort to report to, but you work all three resorts. You get trained at all of them. You learn the properties for all of them. Um, the big... Um, it's three resorts but they're all considered one when it comes to a lot of the training, a lot of the um, cast members moving back and forth. You don't really just get stuck at one unless mm -hmm. you really want to. And you can bid which resort you want to be at and what positions you want to be in. Okay. So did you end up developing a favorite among the three to work? I really like music. I really like the all-star music. I worked there a lot. The cast, was the cast at all of them were wonderful. That's one thing I I miss I think most about Disney than anything else is the cast members I work with. They were amazing. And I just there was something about music. Every day at one o'clock we would go out and we would dance with the we would do like cha cha slide and stuff like that with the people from merchandise. That was really fun. It wasn't anything <laughs> it's not as strict as like the twist at Pop Century. Like how they uh -huh. do um, the twist and they do something else. Theirs was like, this is what we do every day. Ours was just kind of like, they threw the music on at 120 and we're out there like, we don't have a guest. It's a slow time of day. We're going to go dance. Nice. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it really was. So what kind of questions or interactions did you tend to get most often as a concierge? Well, thinking about my concierge time, I have to break it up into two different segments there's pre-magic bands and then post-magic bands okay because i so you were there for the transition i was i was actually of one of the i was one of the head trainers at all stars that helped the resort move into the transition ah okay. so i got yeah i was a trainer for quite a while there and did a lot of teaching the cast about how to work the magic bands, how it relates to the resorts. So pre-magic bands, I think biggest question was dining. We would get a lot of people needing dining or needing us to print their boarding passes, things like that. Mm -hmm. Post-magic bands, fast passes. All day, every day. Fast passes. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are these fast pass things? How do we book them? So... What do you mean I can't get one for, you know, Toy Story Midway Mania in an hour today? Yeah. Those are when Be Our Guest opened. Uh, what do you mean that I can't get a reservation for Be Our Guest tomorrow? Those were some of my favorites. Those ones that came up. I want to dine at Be Our Guest later today. 
Oh, oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So do I. We're both going to be disappointed. <laughs> yes. Um, that be our guest and let's see Cinderella's Royal Table, winning that mm-hmm. day of. Sometimes California Grill was a challenge. Those that wanted to eat dine at a nicer establishment. But yeah, those Chef Mickey's people wanting Chef Mickey's day of. Yeah, no. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so every once in a blue moon, you got really lucky, especially if you made connections with any of the managers in the restaurants, and you'd be like, "I have this honeymoon couple. Is there any strings we can pull?" And sometimes you'd get lucky, but that was rare. Right. That's part of what makes it magic. I think if that kind of thing happened all the time to everybody, then that would just become the new adjusted expectation and people would want even more than that. And that wouldn't be magic anymore. Exactly. What was the transition for you like from pre-magic band to post-magic band? Um, difficult. Especially at our resort. Every all-star resort, a normal check-in day is about 300, 350 guests. That's an average day. Wow. And that's at each resort. So that's 12, 1300 people coming in. Mm-hmm. This depending on if you had groups coming in, because it could be even more than if you had groups. It was, it was a lot. And I think it was, we saw glitches more than anything else because we had such an influx of guests. So... People say they didn't see many issues when it first rolled out at Yacht and Beach Club. Well, that's because Yacht Club has 34 check-ins today. Go to the All-Stars, you're going to see three times as many issues because they have three, four times as many people checking in. And a lot of guests didn't understand that. Right. Yeah, if something happens 1% of the time, then you know Yacht and Beach Club may not get an issue except once every three days. You're getting two or three a day. Exactly. And so that made it a challenge, but at the same time, having that influx of guests allowed us to learn faster because issues that I saw at the All-Stars when Magic Bands rolled out, I saw it within a month. People at Yacht Club might not see it for three, four months because they don't have that influx of guests. Mm-hmm. I assume most of the issues that you saw were uh, technical glitches. Um, yes, just getting everything to sync, I guess it would be. So getting the magic bands to sync with the room, to sync with the ticket, to sync with the fast passes, getting all of that to come together. It it took, they had it down. They knew what they needed to do. But then when you add 20,000 people using it at the same time, that's when you start seeing the issues happen. Start seeing the syncing slow down and things like that. Right. Yeah, the system, no matter what, can only handle so much. Exactly. And even if you increase what it can handle, it can still only handle so much. It just happens to be more that it can handle. Yes. So initially, a few years before I started at the All-Stars, they had, knowing that Magic Bands were coming, they've known, they were planning for this years and years in advance. But about three years before I got there, they had rolled out a new computer system for checking people in. They had learned a lot from when they had done that because they had made the mistake of rolling it out at, of all 20-some resorts at once. And that was a really bad idea because it just, people were, it was shutting down every five minutes. 
And what people don't realize, when something shuts down at one resort, especially in that computer system, the entire property shut down. All resorts on Walt Disney World property shut down. Oh, it's kind of like the Christmas lights where the one goes out and the rest of the string goes out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people get frustrated. Oh, I'm checking at the All-Stars. I'm sorry, our system's down right now. Oh, this wouldn't happen if I stayed at the boardwalk. Mm, yeah, it would, because they're down right now, too. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes yourself feel better. You can say that to yourself, yeah. but it's not true. <laughs> um, they learned a lot from when they rolled that program out. And so when they rolled out the Magic Vans, they did it a couple resorts at a time, which is why some people would be staying at All-Star Sports and they would have their Magic Bands, but yet for some reason Caribbean Beach didn't have their Magic Bands yet. They wouldn't get them for another month because they slowly rolled it out so that they didn't overwhelm the system. Mm-hmm. That's actually really smart. Mm -hmm. And they, it, while we still saw issues, I really think we could have seen a heck of a lot more if they did not roll it out that way. Yeah, and I think if they had rolled it out that way and you did see issues and they were property-wide issues like there were with that computer system, now you've got major problems because guests can't get into their rooms, they can't get into the resorts mm -hmm. or the parks. You know, suddenly, basically, it comes to a complete standstill. And that's there's a certain level of complexity that and problems that are introduced with that that you just have to live with because that's the way technology works but i think that ex well exceeds that threshold of acceptable yeah so with the magic bands then um were you there long enough for it to kind of settle down into a relatively smoothly operating system yes i think after after the first two or three months it really People really learned how to use it. They started taking away the key cards and we could all, so people weren't giving out the magic band and the key card together. They would only give out the magic bands and guests, especially new ones, were wary of not having their key cards. But we, any issues with the magic band, what's really nice is it can get, you don't have to be standing there to get it fixed. You could be in the park and say you're, my parents recently stayed at the Grand Floridian on the concierge level. If you're a concierge, you have a phone number for the, for their specific concierge on that club level. And you could call them saying, hey, I'm having issues with my magic band for fast passes. They can go into the system, click, click, click. Okay, try it again. You should be good now. Like You can do it remotely. It's so much easier than those key cards, especially because those key cards would get demagnetized all the time. And mm -hmm. once we figured out everything, it really rolled smoothly. They added new things to the system all the time, which is why my training status kept so long, because we need to train. They would roll, be rolling th new things out related to the system every week just to make sure that we're keeping up on any bugs or anything that people find. Uh huh. And they, they did a really good job keeping on top of it, and I thought it worked very smoothly after the first two, three months. Great. Yeah, I know there were people who you know, had problems with it, even you know, even well after that. But people had problems with the key cards for a long time too. They just got used to, well, this is the way that these work. Yeah. And so if we've got a problem, then I just know, okay, I go down to the front desk and get it fixed. But with magic bands being so new and kind of in the spotlight, everything that was a problem, at least from some people I heard, just they treated it as though it was a problem that was uh you know 
built into the system and it was a terrible system. It's like, well, no, this is no worse than your key card getting demagnetized. It just happens sometimes. Yeah. I recently they've started rolling out those magic bands that have the characters on them that you can purchase in the parks and then use later. Mm-hmm. My father recently purchased one on their previous trip and they had um he had to get it reset probably five or six times. It just really was stuck. It did not want to work. The concierge even took his magic band for a couple hours just so they could call the people in the back and try and get it figured out. And it just things like that happen every once in a while. It's not a big deal. It's not it's not something, especially with the magic bands now, since we're able to they're in your re- reservation, it's so much easier for us to be able to see things. So you do have fast passes, but for some reason they're not coming up. Well, you can go onto the app and you can show someone, see, I do have a fast pass. Oh, okay, no problem. They'll let you in. It's not, it's not a big deal if that's not working immediately. You just go and they'll tweak it and fix it. Right. Yeah. And sometimes, even with the system, there's user error. I was listening to a podcast recently. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been WDW Today, but I don't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever was talking about his recent trip talked about one day, I think it was in the Magic Kingdom, and he had gone up to use his fast pass for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and uh, it wasn't working. But he had done a screenshot of his fast pass reservations. And so he showed it to the cast member. He's like, look, see, this time, here we go. Okay, so they let him in. And then he went to whatever the next thing was, meeting Mickey or whatever. And same thing, it wouldn't work. And showed him the thing, let him in. And he had done that for all three of his reservations that he'd lined up in advance and had a dining reservation that same thing happened and he was really getting frustrated with the system it was booked and on the wrong it, day wasn't it uh-huh <laughs> exactly got back to his room looked at he's like oh i made all of those for tomorrow <laughs> yep i've seen that <laughs> not surprised yeah the, and it happens and i mean it's Disney. We're going to do what we can to make the guests happy and do make sure that their vacation is magical. And sometimes things just happen. It's not a big deal. Right. Were there any th- any challenges with magic bands or otherwise that a guest came to you with that you were like, oh, I don't think we're going to be able to do anything about this. This is just too big of an issue, too complex of an issue. And somehow you probably with the help of others were able to work something out for them that made them happy. Hmm. I'm sure there are times that that's happened. I honestly couldn't think of what they were though. Okay. I, there's one time near the end that was near the end of the time that I worked there. There was a family that came up to me at the concierge desk. They were concerned that they didn't have enough dining points for the meals that they were going to do. And their travel agent, whoever it was, told them that they were they could only use their dining points on certain days and that they had to save so many dining points because they were eating in Cinderella's castle and this and that. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Jessica Clausen for being my guest and to you for listening. Next time, tune in for more stories about working in the resorts and some great memories of her time with both cast members and guests. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider in spoken word entertainment. 
Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom. You can pick that one or any of the 180,000 plus audiobooks as your free trial, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com audible for your free audiobook. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, or you're blogging, writing, performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, I'd love to hear from you too. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. And while you're there, you can check out the show notes for useful links from each episode. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest. Tell your friends about the show. Basically, just keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. That way more people hear these wonderful stories and more people know that they're out there. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.